Hello there, whoever you are, wherever you are, whenever you are. It's me, your favourite friendly furbolg who hangs around the internet. It's Addison here with another episode of the Pod of Many Things, where I'm going to be talking to my friend from Twitter, Oscar Whiteman, um, about stepping into the dark side and that famous Billy Eilish song of being the bad guys. So, Oscar, are you right? How you doing, mate? I'm doing very good, thanks. How are you? I'm all right. I'm good. I'm good. We've we've just had a long weekend as of recording this, um, so we're relaxed. We're good, and we're going to talk about some bad guy design. But first, Oscar, introduce yourself to the people. Let people know who you are, what you do uh, in terms of the tabletop RPG space, and maybe a little bit about your history in the tabletop RPG space as well. Yeah. So I'm Oscar Whiteman. I'm a TRPG writer and also a game designer. Um, I do a lot of uh, game design and writing stuff in a lot of different spaces, although not a lot of it is online at the moment, but I'm working on a lot of projects that hopefully should see the light of day soon. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been playing TRPGs for not that long, actually, compared to some of the, the veterans. I've been playing for about two or three years. Um just after I got into all the buzz that's been happening really recently, although I've always really been interested in it. Yeah. Did you um? Did you like any other like tabletop RPG like adjacent hobbies beforehand? Like say, Warhammer or board games or like. I mean, I have always really loved engaging in things like, like you say, role playing and board games. I remember once I did sit in on a Warhammer game. I watched it and I was enthralled. And I completely forgot about it. <laughs> many, many, many years later down the line, I got kind of. I've never fully played a game of Warhammer, mostly because I, it's very expensive to get into. Um, yeah. But I think the concept and the idea of war games and role playing games were always kind of in the back of my mind, interesting me. And only very recently did I realize, oh yeah, I can actually go away and do that. All my friends are really interested in things like this, so we can go away and make it happen. Hmm, that's cool that's kind of what what happens to everyone isn't it like we like an adjacent thing especially in the in the current like renaissance of the tabletop rpg hobby Hmm. um which depending on where you sit on on that is a good or a bad thing um i i am of the belief that if something increases in popularity and it uh increases the breadth and of experience that you have in a certain thing that that can only be good but I am but one person. Like but no, yeah, I, I absolutely agree. I think <clears throat> we've especially in from my perspective where so many over the last, you know, 10 years we have these amazing role-playing games as in like actual video games come out. And now we yeah. have this kind of a bit of a I won't necessarily say lull because we've got a lot of interesting things coming out at the moment these periods between games are getting longer and longer, people want to find those experiences. And I think myself personally and a lot of other people who are getting into the genre are finding it in TRPGs, which is a really great one. Do you also think that, um, going on this bit, and I know we'll come to the meat and potatoes of the video in a minute, but do you also no. think that in in this age of like hyper-connectivity through like screens and stuff, through like your, your phone and social media and... Um, zoom and stuff like that like the and like video game like 
lobbies and stuff the reason why there's been a bit of like a kickback almost like a counterculture backlash to that that has resulted in the tabletop rpg revival is because of the fact that we want those more human experiences like things that are more interactive but also interpersonal absolutely i think especially because when you look at the most popular multiplayer video games at the moment you're not seeing a lot of co-op narratives anymore like if you think about the most popular multiplayer games at the moment you're looking at you know fortnite or call of duty or um you know those kind of you jump into a lobby and you don't not really talking to another person unless you're you know part of a squad and even then you're not developing i mean that sounds really shallow you're not developing really as a human being you're just kind of like going through the motions of playing a game, which I totally understand. It's like cathartic. It's a release, but there's definitely these people who love these kind of single player games. They want to do something with their friends and they see TRPGs and they go, this is something, as you say, that we can connect over, that we can, we can engage in a story together. Um, so yeah, definitely. I think it is part of that idea that you can really talk to anybody. And in all honesty, I think of the of the games that I've played of TRPGs, only one or two sessions have actually been in person. I mean, mm. especially at the moment because you know we can't really be in person. Yeah. But the it's interesting how developed the online community of playing online has become. Hmm definitely and like how much uh, people have begun to display that pride in, in what they do and like of their friends as well like you see a lot of them kind of like boosting up their friends and stuff I think one of the main reasons that you see that is because of the fact that when we play tabletop RPGs we also self insert ourselves anyway even though we know it's a character and it's not actually us like when you tell the stories of your of your table and the things that happened it's do you remember when i did do you remember when we did like mm-hmm. it's it's personal pronouns it's 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 us we did that or you watched me do this and i watched you do this rather than my character billingdon thistle down the fourth saw your character <laughs> griffin griffin gog the the bone crusher orc jump across this no you watched me seduce that guard and then you went in and like messed up that whole camp and then we were able to just like move on like it's 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 really interesting it's really interesting when when you think about the yeah the the how it's going i know exactly what you mean and definitely that personal pronouns feels like something yeah it's so much more personal to engage with someone on that level even when you know they're portraying a character, even, as you say, like there is a self-insert element, but there is also this element of I'm playing someone who's potentially so very different from I. Like, I don't have any um, relevant experience being a pirate or a soldier or, um, you know, a warrior or a wizard, but I can still engage with you and we can have a good time even though we're basically doing something so different from our actual lives yeah so the the problem is with these adventures excellent segue (laughs) is is that they need what we're going to be talking about today and we're going to be talking about villains Mm -hmm. 
BBEGs, big bad evil guys or gals, um, antagonists to the protagonists of us as, as players. And, and so we want to talk about stepping into the dark side and talking about like villains. So, Oscar, are you mainly a player or a DM? I am mainly a DM. Ah, uh, me too. Wait, we we both carry this cross. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, and sometimes um, it really is a cross. <laughs> yeah. um, so let's talk. Let's go from there first. Then, so what? When you start a campaign, I don't know if you've done mostly homebrew or um, what do you call it? What are they called? Modules. There we go. Modules. Mm-hmm. You know when when the word just escapes from your head? I don't know if you've done most of I'm sure it's mod- gonna happen many times to me in this. <laughs> Whether you've done modules or, or homebrew stuff, but what where what are the obstacles and the issues that you're gonna put in front of your players when you when you create a campaign? I think for a lot my well I don't necessarily do it immediately as soon as i'm presented with a a character often um i will take a character that's if i'm doing a module i'll take Mm -hmm. a character that is within a setting and try and make them as antagonistic as possible sometimes to a specific character sometimes to the whole party so um one of the most recent examples I was running the Wizards of the Coast um, module, A Descent to Avernus. I don't know if you've heard of that. Yeah, I've got that. Um, I, I like it. I think that the Baldur's Gate section needs to fucking do one. But um, <laughs> right, definitely, but, um, it feels like a weaker developed portion of that seg- of the whole book. I know exactly what you mean. Mm. Um, so there's a character in that called. Um, Arkan, is it the cruel? Arkan the cruel, yeah. Yes, yeah. And the way that he's used in that is interesting. But I said, okay, let's try and take this character and let's try and do something a bit more developed with it. My character's already kind of had a bit of an interaction with Tiamat, and they were kind of getting on to, like, maybe he serves Tiamat and what the, all these things that are happening in Avernus. And... I had this character who, one of my players was playing a character who was very, let's say arrogant, you know, a character that can kind of stroll into a room and think, I am the best and I'm better than all of you. I'm better than the rest of the party. And in a way I began to make, turn Arkin into this person who's going to try and really goad him and be like, oh, you're the best. Then prove it to me. And inevitably, this level seven or so character is going to pale in comparison to this NPC who I'm obviously going to make destroy them. (laughs) Or at the very least, do have a crushing defeat, you know, that leaves you kind of going, well, you really tried your best. And in an interesting way, they came away from that. um, uh, As as real people do, he came, the the player came away from that interaction and was like, okay, so I really want to fuck Arkin up now. Yeah. <laughs> not, not, I've not learned, and as a real person would, I've not learned anything from this experience. My arrogance was not at fault here. <laughs> he just got lucky. And next time I'm going to face him, he's going to die. Um, 
and kind of creating those as a initial example creating those villains that are really good at getting under the skin of a person i think is really key in terms of creating a baddie like it needs to be someone who you really hate yeah i've got so i've got one of those at the minute um uh, um, uh, I can go into the reasons why, uh, that, but it's it's a bit weird. So um, one of my players is a genie warlock, but he, oh. but his genie patron is his mother. Nasty. <laughs> That's cool. And she's locked like with him, so like she's inside his vessel, right? Like part of their like curse. And so she's had this like weird, they've had like this weird connection. So he gave me that like thing of like, she's with me all the time. And I was like, you know what? This is great. So basically I made her like the, the shadow puppet master, like right. she in his ear and like, and it got under the skin of my wife who plays in our game. So mm-hmm. this is the Hardy, the air genie. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's just got, She's just playing continuous 4D chess to like mess with everybody emotionally, including her <laughs> son. Um, so the latest story arc was the fact that they released her from her curse. And so she was allowed to like roam free. And she was like, oh, well, I'll try and help you. Rah, rah, rah. And then her idea of helping was trying to marry off Sophia to multiple other Genasi children <laughs> to to like secure alliances and secure power and footholds everywhere. Yeah. And to have grandchildren. Like she kept making that reference. And she even wrote in my wife's character, who's having a bit of a, a, a romantic relationship with the Sophia character, the Warlock character. Um, and she was like, well, you can be there as well. Like you can. That you you're all marrying him together. It's like a harem thing. <laughs> and, like, she, just how flippant she was about everything, and how she thought like everything she thought, everything she said was a good idea. I really got under the skin of almost everyone in the game, like because like Zafir Z- as well would listen to her most of the time, even though what she said was ridiculous. Like mm. so, you're like he's like it wasn't until recently where she she finally showed that actually she didn't care for him as much as she he thought she did right she said like she said like the wrong thing which was next time the next one i'll make it better like and um basically um try to lock him in in a device that was powered via planar blood and uh yeah they 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 destroyed her they actually like mullered her um (laughs) uh, yeah like they were just they just wanted to they just like as soon as they saw an opportunity and they've been waiting for you could tell they've been waiting for this opportunity for a while so i think that's a really good point making those characters those bad guys especially that can get under the skin of either a particular player or all your players for whatever reason is a really good way to build um bad guys um one of the ways that i've i've quite like is i like bad guys who believe that they're the good guy i'm 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 a yeah. sucker for that for that type of or or believe their own hype so for example one of the things uh like i i would probably mess about with archon for is that archon believes that even though tiamat's an evil goddess and everything like that he believes he's doing what he was meant to do like yeah i've i've devoted my whole life to this so that almost like self-belief that he can't fail 
Mm. because of the fact uh it's one of the ways there's two ways i play strad i kind of play strad like that as well I, or i would play strad like that sorry yeah the fact that strad knows he's too big to fail like yeah that's such a good that's such a great phrase too big to fail i love that yeah like um either because i either play him that way or i play him tired and old but he has to at least look like he's trying yes <laughs> i like that that's <laughs> funny i yeah Oh god, yeah, you there's a okay. So what I will say is going back to that mother character, I'll just talk about that for a few. I don't mean to derail us a little bit back, but I will, will uh I was going to say and that's such a great idea too because everybody whether you actually have a person like that in your life like a parent or an overbearing relative, everybody can somewhat relate to that character, someone who whether you've been engaged in, it in media or in real life, someone who kind of pressures you to do or be something, and then you like you're talking about that son character, the player, having the idea that they just do what their mum says because they think it's the right thing. It's like my mum's not going to tell me to do the wrong thing because they support me and they want the best for me. And it's so that's such a brilliant idea that you're presenting there of this person. In a way, that player almost becomes a baddie because they're believing in what the villain says. They believe that this is the right thing to be doing. This is the right way I should be moving forward with my life. Mm. And it's one of, like you say, one of the most effective ways to get under people's skin because they see that and they go, you're making the wrong decisions. Why can't you see that this person is bad? Or like... Initially, you think, okay, maybe this person is a good person, and you have to slowly realize that they're not. Um, and then talking about um, characters who believe they're good, uh, there's a great phrase. Um, nobody does something because they... Nobody, sorry, I've got a bit lost there. Everyone believes they're doing the right thing. Mm. Otherwise, they wouldn't be doing it. Unless, you know, you just accept that you're an awful human being. But everyone's Every protagonists in their own story, aren't they? Yeah, exactly. So when you have these characters, especially when you're designing a villain, you have to be kind of looking at it and going, why are they actually doing that? People don't do horrible things because they actually, because they like to be horrible. They do it for a reason. They're doing it so that they can achieve some goal that is right to them. And it has yeah. to make sense on some level. Yeah, nuance, isn't it? Like that idea yeah. of um, even liches. Like, liches don't want to die because they're either they're scared or they've got a goal that is going to exist past their lifetime. Mm. Uh, so they, they become liches for that reason. Like, I am afraid of dying. Like, or I have something I need to do. Therefore, like... Yeah. So the, those reasons lead on, yeah. I so that I, I also never thought of the angle that most people have that like i knew that for my wife because of of um because of our our lives and our circumstances and our context about the overbearing parent but i never thought of like actually no everybody's everybody's got that that person in their lives who 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 listens to somebody who's no good for them like yeah. even if it's just like a girlfriend or, or a friend or and you're like and you like, and they're like, oh, they're not that bad, really. Like, once you get to know them, and you get to know them, and you realise that the bodies are piling up in the corner. Yeah. 
How many skeletons are there in the closet? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But, um, yeah. Well, I have a question for you then, if that's all right. I know, I, I know, I'm the guest and you're the host. But no, I you go for it. Who is your favourite villain? And it can be your own, or it can be from like popular media. But I'd be interested to know who your favourite is, or like when you think of villains, who jumps out in your mind immediately. I've got like the entire Final Fantasy villain cast in my head. <laughs> um, uh, I think in terms of like popular media, my my favourite villain ever is probably I think it's the it's the the version of Long John Silver from Treasure Planet uh, from the animated film yeah the Treasure Planet the animated film from Disney the like cult classic one because of the fact that like you vote you if you if you know the story of Treasure Island, you are fully prepared for for um Long John Silver to be a bastard and mm. to be horrible and to like betray you. But then in Treasure Planet somehow he still manages to be like nice and you yeah. like him and like and he's charismatic and, and he's patient and he's not he's he's greedy but he's not evil like yeah uh, until until and then towards the like the third act you're like oh no he's he's genuinely terrible even when he lets jim go at certain points you're like no you you you're just a, uh he's like one of my favorite villains because of the nuance of him and like the um i quite liked a, a controversial hot hot take on like comic book bad guys Mm-hmm. I liked the villainous turn of Cyclops in the X-Men um, after Avengers versus X-Men and after like Utopia and stuff and he's far yeah. more like militant because there was no other way he could go like mm. there, like he'd 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 fought for so long for like a world that hates and fears him and he's done it all and he keeps trying and then M day happens where Scarlet Witch gets rid of like tons of mutants, mm. and he's just like, "What? Why? What? Why? Why? Why do people keep doing this? Why? Why? Like we've got because he even says, I think at one point, like we're okay when they come from space, and we're okay when they've got walking tanks on them, and we're okay when they transform into green rampaging monsters and kill people. However, if you're born with wings, suddenly." you're a threat and a menace and right and mm. like he, he goes on about like and he like calls out loads of people he calls out spider-man captain america calls captain america a hypocrite mm. uh, which i which i always love because i hate captain america with every fiber <laughs> of my being um uh and he, yeah just his villainous turn and like how people reacted to that i was like w- there was no other way he could go he'd done like righteous soldier he'd done that for years and everything that happened just proved him wrong and then it was kind of like the the best way to put it was like when you're when you oath break paladin finally when you yeah. go fuck this i can't do this anymore i can't i can't keep up with the battering 
that you're giving me. So yeah, Cyclops was probably my favorite like comic book villain. Yeah. Um, and then just in terms of like the nuance of him, like Long John Silver from Treasure Planet. Uh, honorable shout out to the people from Atlantis as well. Um, the Lost yeah. Empire. That was because they kind of had that same Long John Silver esque thing, but because you didn't know the story. Mm. Like you, you, you were uh, you were more shocked by it when you first watched it. What about you? Who's your like favorite villain? That let, let's do, and then we'll talk about our favorite ones that we've ever created. Yeah, yeah. So do like popular like culture or something like that. Your favorite? I villain. think there's a couple of really good ones. I think it would be re a real cop out to just say Darth Vader, <laughs> but I think in terms of iconography and the fact that really, if you talk about the episodes one through six the story is about anakin and darth vader and that fall from grace and then kind of that redemption at the very end oh well i guess the bare minimum of redemption yeah um in terms of i wouldn't necessarily say a villain but zuko from um avatar, avatar. oh yeah spicy i like it i think i think he he kind of has obviously we love him for the fact that he is at the very beginning of the story obviously so captured with this idea of like if i do this one thing then my life is going to be set and that's a perfect example you know for any kind of villain to say all you need to do is this one thing and your life will be as bri like brilliant better than it was before mm. you will you will win your father's approval you will win the hearts and minds of the people who surround you you know and zuko he has all this trauma like his mother disappears in the night and he never finds out what happens to her and his father is this cruel uncaring man and in turn he becomes this cruel and uncaring figure even without really realizing what that means you know ozai zuko's dad um is cruel because he's an emperor who's trying to expand his nation. He's trying to take over the world. Whereas Zuko just sees that and mirrors it without really even understanding what it means. He's just a teenager who's literally been sent out into the world to do this impossible, or quote-unquote impossible, task. Mm. And when we finally see him overcome that, it reminds us as people, you know, many of the people who've watched that will think, I have trauma... And that can potentially turn you or anybody into a bad person. But when we look at the things that have happened to us and say, we're better than that, we can be on the right side of this situation. Yeah. It reminds us that just because you've been hurt doesn't mean you have to fall all the way down. You can stand tall and fight, the not necessarily fight in an aggressive sense, but you can go against everything that you have experienced in order to become a better person. And I think that's what we find so endearing about Zuko. You know, he has that redemption because he fights for it. And he is a good person on the inside. Yeah, you see that throughout the series, don't you? Like those little moments where you go, oh no, Zuko could be good. Like so, like how he speaks to Iroh, and like when he at one point he gives up the chase for Ang, doesn't he? Because his men are falling off the ship or something like that. I can't yeah. remember. And he like grabs them, and he's like, "Nope." Uh, like, and he and he he thinks about it for a second. And you're like very much waiting for him to to just carry on chasing Ang. 
but yeah. instead he stops to save these the random soldier a and random soldier b mm-hmm. um and you get that and then i think what per- perfectly helps zuko's narrative block even though this is where during his transition towards being more of a good person is then you're introduced to azula who is the perfectly evil version of what zuko yeah. became like you so you see what zuko could be and then what zuko is and you're like ah okay i've got you like it's, yeah yeah and I, like yeah you go I, first i think iroh definitely like i hadn't even mentioned iroh but the fact that uh, you know, as I was saying, like do, moving on from like a trauma and trying to be that type of person, Iroh is the perfect figure to say, like, I support you. You are a person who I'm trying to help. Iroh can see all the things, even though he's like almost like a, a war general who's probably killed countless people in his time at war. Iroh still somehow is managed manages to see through that and say, I know I've done bad things, and I've accepted that in myself, and I'm going to try and be better. And now I see you going down the path that I've seen my brother go down. And I want you to be better because I know that you have a good spirit. I know that you can do the right thing. You can be better than Ozai. Mm. Have you ever... So in media and stuff like that, mm. yeah, this is this is a kind of like an extension of this question that I wanted to ask you, but then you okay. turned it on me. No, go oh, on. How the, how, how, oh, how the turns have tabled. Um, <laughs> have you ever... Have you ever thought of like an unconventional bad guy in popular media that you've went, actually, you wouldn't normally see them or that thing as the bad guy itself? So I'll start. I can I can start for like a because I know this is a weird question. No. So recently, me and my wife have just watched real. I've rewatched and I showed my wife the the anime Grimgar of Fantasy and Ash. Okay. I can't so, say I've ever seen it, but go on, tell me a little bit about it. It's basically like D&D downtime, the anime. So it doesn't actually focus a lot on on like the, the fighting and stuff like that, but it focuses on the, the moments between and like mm-hmm. living. So the, the protagonists wake up in like this tower, like without memories of who mm-hmm. they are or what they were. And then they go out and they're basically in this fantasy land. And like the frontier of this fantasy land where they've got to fight monsters. Okay. And actually the bad guy of of that show there's no like big bad guy yet mm. they mention like this 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 undying king or something but you, you he's so far removed that you've not really you've not encountered him or anything yeah but the, the bad guy of that show is grimgar itself like the world itself is harsh like you will starve to death if you do not go out and fight monsters like mm. um but even one goblin there's like five or six of these like teenagers and, like one goblin is like too hard for them to like mm. and it's like scary because they realize like one of them gets really badly hurt from this goblin and he starts freaking out because like oh what, what what the like i thought these guys were supposed to be easy like and, <laughs> and um like when they do finally kill a goblin they go like they start like throwing up and stuff so the the situation is the bad guy in that circumstance like the the fact that like no living thing wants to die is what somebody says in that anime which i think is is a really powerful yeah really powerful yeah like no living thing wants to die no matter if it's bad good whatever so like um have you ever thought of anything like that that's that can be like constituted as like the villain of like an idea or a or an unconventional villain definitely i think perhaps one of the ones that we see most 
constantly in what you would say if we're talking about like western media like addiction i think is one of the is a, is a really good example like um and not just addiction to substances or addiction to uh i'm trying to think or, or addiction to uh, an idea but the addiction is things like power and mm. you know having even if it's just like a MacGuffin, and it's like oh there's this thing far away that you can have if you really wanted it and the thing that it drives people to do um i think i don't know if i have a specific example for that but maybe even something like very literally addiction uh, i don't know if you've seen train spotting oh yeah 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 choose life yeah where you have these people who are all under the very same circumstances and they're all addicted to uh, you know heroin Mm-hmm. And we see them all react in different ways. You know, people, some turn to this kind of, you know, they have, they essentially are living a terrible life and they all, they realize that. Mm. And it's not because of something someone has done to them. It's what this substance has done to themselves. Um, yeah. So I think definitely when you have an idea and it's a, in many ways like yeah the villain of that story is the drugs or mm. even to go further is their addiction to that substance their, their personality types that bring them to go further into that um into that lifestyle of i'm wanting to have my next hit and i want to live that life um, yeah, there's there's times when even positive like addiction what, what you would team as positive addictions like like wanting to help people turns into like the villain because you start helping people at the cost of the the character starts help, helping at the cost of themselves uh so like i can't remember what it was but there was a like a film or something where this this like night guy goes around and he he like helps people and eventually like he he starts losing like limbs and stuff but he can't stop he knows he can't stop right and if he does no one's else is going to do it because it's hard mm. and he's like addicted to that idea of like i'm the only one who can do it so even though he's doing something noble the villain of that thing is like he's just stuck in this perpetual thing of violence and like he's got like a false arm and a false yeah. leg by the end and it's like you know the next thing he fights is going to kill him because he's yeah. nowhere near. And I think like, that's essentially that is sometimes what creates a villain. That's what constitutes a villain. It's that they feel like they have to do something. Like um, I'm trying to think. Have you seen Breaking Bad? Yeah, yeah. So like, I'm trying to think if I can say it without spoiling too much. Obviously, Walter White becomes obsessed with making more money. Like, mm. and, and near the end, he's doing it just because he can. Yeah, because there's more in it for him, and he, like you say, it's like almost a, a depiction of workaholicism, like thinking that you have to be doing more and more so you can make more money, so that you can have a better life. When essentially you've gone beyond even your initial aspirations, you you are far beyond what you thought you could do, and you're doing it now just because you can. Yeah, you don't, you don't need to do it anymore. Like he didn't need to do it anymore. Like multiple characters 
like kept telling him like you don't need to do this anymore you could stop tomorrow and yeah. be set for life and he's just like it's almost like the 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 have you ever heard of the grecian concept of the fatal flaw i definitely have yeah so the for those of you listening like um the greeks in their legends and myths made it so every character had something called a fatal flaw whether it was the hero the villain and that fatal flaw was something that would lead to their downfall no matter what so uh for so for example achilles's fatal flaw is his self-belief that he is invincible not realizing that actually an arrow to the heel is going to kill him um odysseus and his thing of like um, his single-mindedness to to get back home uh, from the Trojan War uh, in the Odyssey is like, oh, uh, yeah, like you can't do that. It's not that simple. Mm. Um, so they all have like a fatal flaw, and I think that one of the things that happens with villains is that their fatal flaw consumes them. Yeah. So with 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 Heisenberg, it's almost like pride. By that point, it's like. Yeah. But I can, so I will. Like, because I've, because I've got rid of everyone else, and rah rah rah. If, if sorry, it's Breaking Bad has been around for what? Yeah, no, I, I, I don't think we're really <laughs> in the territory to be yeah. saying spoiler warning for Breaking Bad. If you haven't seen Breaking Bad, just watch it. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, like he's got rid of, he's got rid of people who have said that they'll get rid of him, and he's just, he's just, yeah, his his fatal flaw becomes pride. He's like, I, I've, I've done it though, I've done it before, I'll do it again. And so, yeah, it just becomes a, a self-perpetuating cycle. So that's a good point, I think. And also, I think what's what's powerful about if we're going to call Walter White a villain, which I think wouldn't be inaccurate, the idea that every hurdle he leaps over sets up the next hurdle. Every time he does something outlandish to get himself out of something is the next time someone, someone notices and goes, okay, this is something we have to deal with. Mm. And that is a really interesting idea of villain. You know, someone who thinks that by like a domino effect you've just done the tiniest things to get the tiniest goal and it's blown itself up into something where it's like you have to be killing people you have to be starting wars you have to be going all the way out there to achieve what was essentially a very small goal at the beginning yeah definitely there's 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 a few few like popular figures that we think about we can think about with that aren't there now um, hmm. we can go for, for him you can go for um, Anakin if we go back to the Darth Vader thing like yeah. like I want to save my wife like oh. is is essentially what that go, what that boils down to like I want to save my wife however shouldn't have wife in first place so the fact that he's doing <laughs> these things yeah. brings about the idea that everybody starts going well you have a wife apparently like um and or what are you doing why are you acting so strangely because he's got to keep this a secret yeah and then when somebody comes along with with the idea of like if you do this for me i can teach you how to save your wife he yeah. then does terrible things and those to to get that short-term goal which everybody goes what the hell are you doing stop <laughs> stop <laughs> and it's like and it's yeah it just perpetually goes on and on doesn't it to um like every time he achieves one of his short-term goals, something else happens. Yeah. That then, um, that then, yeah, uh, yeah. So the next in this yeah. place, yeah. It's 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 interesting. It is interesting. 
Um, so if we were to talk about now, we've talked about our favourite villains in like media, and we've talked about some some things that we don't con- we wouldn't say that they were villains, but they yeah. they they basically are. So gone a bit metaphysical and yeah. philosophical on it. Um, when what's one of your favourite villains that you've ever ran in 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 a tabletop RPG game, and like why why did it work so well? So one of the campaigns that I'm running at the moment, so I'm, as a writer, I'm currently writing to um, uh, 5e uh, modules that I'm hoping to publish. Um, And I guess I'll kind of like talk about the two and kind of give a bit of comparison if that's all right. I know you only asked for one, but... uh, um, Yeah, that's fine. So the idea behind the one one of the ones i'm running at the moment is this villain who's just constantly on your case i i designed this character who uh without spoiling what i'm potentially hoping to publish one day too much it's essentially that the idea of this character rocks up to your village one day and kills everyone and leaves you for dead basically but and but you're alive and that was their intention, and now you're out to get them, get revenge um, for that. And in order to do that, you're going to have to go on a classic adventure and build up your powers and learn how to face against this evil. Mm. And obviously, there are many ways to play that, but the best way that I've felt about it is just this character that can constantly appear and just harass you. <laughs> Not in a, a physical, violent sense, but this character just kind of appears and is like, yeah, you shouldn't be doing that. <laughs> or going, yeah, I think you're making the wrong decision there. Or essentially questioning you, similar to your um, genie character, constantly meddling with the things that you're doing. Or maybe even saying, you know, if you gave into the dark side, you could, I could help you destroy these people if, if, that, if they're in your way and they're bothering you. And... It's funny when you create a character like that who's kind of charming and witty and also really bad and and sees the it's very pragmatic like I, I can just do this if you just gave into the the dark side and wanted to be bad. Mm. It's funny when your character when your players say I really like this guy and it's like well he's trying to bring about an age of darkness. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then in comparison with this character that's so present. Um, Another campaign, so that's kind of traditional fantasy style setting. The mm-hmm. one that I'm writing or looking to publish very soon um, is kind of like noir fantasy, where you have this kind of 1920s, 1930s, 1940s mega city like New York, and there's gangsters and private detectives and kind of uh, that vibe, noir, noir fantasy. Mm-hmm. And the villain is just kind of like what you were saying about that anime where the villain is just so far away and so mysterious that it almost feels like they're not present and yet everything that's happening can be attributed to them yeah you have no idea who's doing all these things but every day you wake up and something new has happened every day someone has died someone's gone missing something has happened and the contrast between those two has been really interesting as a writer to say, you know, sometimes a villain can be really in your face and be really there and present and pushing you. 
and other times it can be a total mystery and they want nothing to do with you and they're you are just a piece of many um pieces within their game and they don't really need to mess around with you they just need to get you out of their way before they move on to the next thing mm. so i think the idea of making villains like that is really interesting especially in the concept of you know how their relationship is with the protagonists in this case you know the the players yeah like and i think it's very cool that you've got two very different approaches to to that like one like you said one who is present almost always in the back of the players minds because they've met them and like they've 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 had their inciting incident with them and rah, rah, rah. whereas the other one it's just like this this person exists apparently like and it's all their fault what do like yeah um, that's that's interesting i like that um mine is actually um it's not even like the big bad evil guy but it's like a mid boss mm-hmm. and it's his name is grelin prigby cool and grelin is the so in my world my 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 own homebrew world it's called the isle of ramp so far and it's going to be it's going to be expanded i've decided to make like this island and basically what happens every four years on this island is like three months of night time just happens and nobody yeah. understands why or what and what this basically allows to happen is like all, all your drow duriga things that go bump in the night the planes tear like it's all centered around ramp so ramp is this hard place where every four years a lot of people are going to die mm. right so people are grizzled and basically um there's there's this uh thing called the the sun shields it's a it's a it, every town or city on ramp has one has a has a dawn bastion where these sun shields are and you everybody must serve in the sun shields at some point they must serve at least two shays so uh eight years um in in the in the dawn shields from the age of 14 upwards right because life expectancy is not long <laughs> yeah so grelin prigby is the leader of the of the first dawn bastion that most of my adventures start in mm. um and he is corrupt as hell <laughs> um just he people think he's gone what what in the setting they call shamad which is basically he's seen so many of these like moon shays that he's gone crazy like he, right. he's he's lazy he's corrupt he's a drunkard he's abusive you you can find out throughout the the story or, or as you're exploring this village that um he has like a, a nephew who's a fire genasi who, who's actually my first ever DD character right npc cool. cool and basically you notice that they don't get along very well even though kindling the the fire genasi is like the is is the tactician and he's the one who's actually in control and in command right. but he won't like st- he won't step above his his uncle and it's because his uncle's abused him all his life like mm. um and he's just he's just a terrible man and i am one of the things that i really like about about grelin is the fact that not only is is he that archetypical person 
who abuses their power but he's also someone who you don't know how to fight against because yes you could kill him sure but then everybody turns against you yeah he he represents an authority that people respect yeah like um and he's he's a terrible person and he's terrible to the party in most of the games that i've ran him in like he's he 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 you realize that he's fixed the lottery so that you so there's also a lottery system to get drafted Mm. if if there's not enough soldiers and and he he rigs the lottery all the time right like to get rid of undesirables you find that out in like the first session um and yeah he's he's just a terrible person and i uh, i love the fact that like you can't one of the things that i love about him is that you can't tell anyone that that you're that you're like he's a terrible person everybody's like i know but he is necessary like yeah. and like and they're like oh shit what do we do then like cuz like even even kindling who would love to to kill him like for the things <laughs> that he's done to him like w- wants to burn him alive yeah like will not because he knows that what happens then like it's it's a like so most of the time people just leave him alone mm. and like I, I would love for them to go back and things be even worse or something like i've yeah. never had the opportunity to go back because most people just leave him alone and it's like it's almost like the the evil you can't beat is bureaucracy and like yeah <laughs> like uh, and I, I just like him that's such like a him, uh, that's such a powerful idea as well because often you know when we talk about villains like that you know you might argue is lawful evil i would i would feel confident so it's lawful evil you know someone who's using their power in a lawful way to get what they corrupt. want yeah. yeah to get what they want often we think of those characters as really cunning and conniving and kind of like secretive and they write secret missives and stuff and no one really knows what they're doing whereas that character is very much like everybody knows everybody knows that he's bad but they just can't talk about it he's not trying to hide well he may be obviously in some levels he may be trying to hide those things don't let me say anything about the way you put a character description in your mouth but no there were there were blatantly certain things that he hides like he he would never come out and say that he used to lock kindling in a cupboard oh for days like uh, um and one of the the special things about that cupboard is that he would then throw daggers at the at the um door oh god like because yeah. he just he hates this kid like he, he mm. just um in in a almost like racist way because of the fact that he's a janasi and like yeah how janasi are formed in in ramp is that basically you make a pact with certain things to mm. get their offspring so yeah. tieflings azamar janasi you you have to make a deal with those things mm. and so he knows that whatever kindling did or whatever kin whatever deal was made with kindling's elemental uh mother or being that (laughs) has somehow robbed him of his brother like that he blames him for his brother disappearing um so yeah he's he would never mention that so you're right there are certain things that he's like i do not want this to get out however there are other things where he's just like i don't care he's almost like a necessary evil like yeah and but that what I was saying is like the idea that he is corrupt and everybody knows and obviously that's something that you know happens in life 
But it's so rare that we see that so well put in a TRPG, where often those characters are secretive and you only really find out that they're evil right in the moment that they stab you in the back. Mm. Um, but that idea of, yeah, this person's necessary and they need, and really someone should take care of them. Um, not in like the kind sense, in terms of we need to get them out of this position of power because someone who's, especially when you have someone who has the capability to do that job without them. Mm. Um, I mean, it's that's very powerful, I think, to have that opportunity to say, and especially when you're talking about if you leave him alone, something bad's going to happen. You will regret never standing up to that person because mm. they were right there, they were right within your grasp, and you didn't do anything because you were worried about what would happen. And now look at what's happened. Mm. And that's why kindling's there as well. It's almost like the Azul again, the Azula Zuko comparison. Like you could see someone who is more than capable, clever enough, good enough, like mm. would not abuse that position underneath someone who is doing that and is like ruining people's lives like sending them off to their death and he's just like mm, i i can't i can't unthrown him that's not how this works like mm -hmm. um so yeah it's he's he's a really interesting villain that i would love to get the opportunity to like mess about with a bit more and like that's one of the reasons why i was at one point i was writing the the ramp like adventure that i had in mm -hmm. my and cool um but I, I gave up on it and I lost all the files. So I was like, damn it. <laughs> oh no, that's devastating. Yeah, because I had like him. So there's that whole thing with him. And it basically ends up with you inside one of the, one of the cities, which has like massive walls. Hmm. And it turns out that uh, during the moonshay, which all this happens in. So you've got this three months of like perpetual nighttime and darkness. They, they lock all the walls. But what they don't realize is that the werewolves are already inside the walls. Right. So like when 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 it goes in continually dark with a full moon, it's like, oh no. Like yeah, we're locked in here inside. with a bunch of werewolves. Like, yeah. like oh shit. Um so yeah, it is it it can be really interesting. Is there ever is there ever been a time where you thought and this can be in a tabletop RPG or in a or in like popular media where you thought like a villain was poorly executed? Oh, are you, are you ready for my controversial opinion? Go for it. I think having a villain that you can understand the side of is overplayed and we need to go back to a time where we can hate our villains and not understand their perspective. Mm -hmm. Fair so, enough. So this is... I, I, I think it's been used really well and it's... The most recent time it happened, I obviously um, I can tell you're a fan of comics. Have you seen the new Marvel films? Yeah, yeah, and I imagine you've seen Infinity War and Endgame as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think Thanos is just such an interesting character, and in the comics, he is actually evil. He he wants to do something because you know he wants to win Death's favor, right? He wants yeah. to gather the Infinity Stones and destroy half of all existence to win, to basically get this girl to like him. And yeah. that is a, that's a really evil idea, to, that someone becomes so obsessed with someone that it's like, he doesn't even, you didn't even know if that's going to make her like him. He's just doing it because he thinks it might. Yeah. Whereas he's not the, even Aster. He's like the ultimate, yeah. like, jilted 
jilted Chad or whatever. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And then in the films, it's like, my people died because they couldn't handle resources properly. So I'm going to kill half of everybody so that then society can thrive. And it's funny because n at no point does anybody, you know, obviously no one is going to, none of the Avengers are going to be like, well, we don't care that you want to um, <laughs> save save everyone. No, none of them would ever address that. Of course, Doctor, right. Strange, Doctor Strange is kind of like, well, yeah, that's really tragic for you, but you're going the wrong way. But no one ever is kind of like, no one has that moment of, you're right, things should be different, but you're wrong. And yeah. it's the same, it's kind of similar with like, often like the Magneto stories are often about mutants are underrepresented or mutants are being hurt by humans. So we have to kill all the humans and Professor X has to go, well, hold on a minute. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I agree that mutants aren't being treated properly, but we don't have to kill all humans to do it. No. It, uh -huh. that, that idea of they're doing the right thing, but in the wrong way, I think has run its course I, I my example of this i've got an example of this is that mm -hmm. you know when they did the live action maleficent films i haven't seen them but i know of them yeah they, they definitely they, made, they uh... made they made my piss boil like, like I, genuinely, <laughs> I was genuinely infuriated throughout the whole thing because maleficent yeah. like her name is lit literally magnificently evil yeah like um like malevolent and magnificent put together mm. like um, you're kind of there, like, what? Yeah. Like, why are we making this character yeah. endearing? Yeah. Yeah. Like, and and like, oh, they stole my wings. I'm like, you're a powerful sorceress. Like, <laughs> like, just just grow them back. Like, and this is <laughs> like, like, um, you you can transform into a dragon apparently with wings. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like <laughs> but, 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 um, yeah. So yeah. And because I with the Thanos thing as well, I was like, "Oh, that's really cool." And then I realized, "Hang on, if he can wipe out half the universe, yeah, why not just add more stuff?" <laughs> yeah, like why not just make a post scarcity society? Like I don't. That's that's also a thing. Like, and he's like, "Nah," but, which is why, like, that also like made my Jimmy's wrestle when you mentioned the the fact that Thanos wanted deaths because nobody knows that when I talk to them. I'm like, yeah. Oh yeah, Thanos is kind of cool, but it's better when he does this. And they're like, "What?" Like, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, and like Gamora, the not Gamora, Nebula ends Infinity War, like in in the yeah. comic books. Um, spoiler alert for a almost thirty year old comic book now. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say if, if uh, you're wanting spoiler alerts on old Infinity War, then come on. Yeah, then uh, yeah, she literally they literally trick her, don't they? They say like, "Oh well, do you know what would be the best like middle finger to to Thanos?" If you just got rid of everything he ever did, and she does it, <laughs> and which gets rid of her as well, and they then have the Infinity Gauntlet and all the Infinity Stones, and she, they're just like, ha like, yeah, I, I, I do believe like that. This, this, I, I can see what you're saying about the whole, because they kind of the thing with Loki as well, and the fact that he can't decide whether he's a good guy or a bad guy. Yeah. That's that's something I'm getting quite annoyed with, like the whole anti-hero swing. Yeah. Like, um, I think... like sometimes people are just bad, and like, yeah, they might not realize that they're bad, but being selfish, 
being greedy, being insecure, like being power hungry or wanting more for yourself is is makes you bad sometimes. Yeah. And it it's not uh it doesn't even have to be understandable. Like some people genuinely can't understand why other people have to tread on others to to get on on top of the ladder if that makes sense. Like yeah. I think the best the best version of of that like people not understanding why somebody can do that is is peter baelish like nobody liked him in game yeah like nobody liked him but they like the same thing necessary evil but then eventually when they see when he runs his course they're like yeah we're done with you now yeah and they get rid of him because of the fact that he is just evil like he is just a terrible person and there's there's nothing to understand. Interestingly, like, to, to compare with Thanos, it's interesting how we can say that, you know, that version of Thanos is more objectively evil and we don't see the other side of things. And Peter Baelish, they're both two guys who want really wanted a girl and then they just became really horrible people because of it. Yeah. Exactly. I, th- I think the most powerful thing that i realized you know i obviously because i'm talking to you about it now i'm obsessed with like designing villains and understanding how they how to get into the head of someone who is essentially evil not just to the surroundings but to an audience member oh yeah and i think the most powerful thing that i realized once you know when i thought about you know creating baddies is the people we hate in real life rarely do we think about the good things that they do rarely do oh, we yeah. think really do we think oh that's why they're doing that we don't know their origin story we don't know the origin story of our i don't know abusive partner well maybe we might but we don't know the origin story of one of our friends friends who kind of says horrible things about you we don't know the origin story of our school bully or you know people who treat us like shit in real life rarely do we know what their reasoning behind that is and we might be more sympathetic towards them if we did but the idea that we hate them and they are a villain in our lives because we don't know we don't see their side of things hmm and I think, yeah, no, I think you're right. I think you're right on that. Like, we don't need to always know mm. either. Like, think about the effect that that's those those people have had on us. Like, like, or or or, or on the the people that they that they've hurt or whatever. Like, we we can objectively turn around and go, well, being abusive is just being abusive, like, yeah. and it is bad. Like you don't have to be like, oh well, they've they this happened to them and this happened to them. So like, no, there's there's a line. Like the law says that if they do this, there's a consequence. Mm. Like, and and I I think you're right. Like sometimes we we over we over we make villains over relatable, if that's a word. Yeah, and I think often people champion that by saying, well, otherwise they wouldn't make sense. I like, did villains not make sense before? Before we had this renaissance of having villains be relatable and understandable, did we not understand them? Did they, did they not seem realistic? 
I think that argument doesn't really ring true. Everyone says that good, or a lot of people say that good villain design is creating a villain who's relatable because it makes them more realistic. It makes you feel more of an emotion towards them. But I think the strongest emotion you want to feel towards a villain is hate. Unless you want them to have a redemption or perhaps have a hero have a redemption before they kill them. You know, like going, do you know what? I think you, like I've been absorbed by my anger, so I'm not going to strike you down. Mm. Like, and and we're going to lock you up instead. Mm. I think, yeah, you go first. Sorry, you keep going. Uh, The final point is you want to feel hate for a villain. And it's very difficult to do that when you always in the back of your mind, you're going, well, they're kind of doing something that is technically good. And really all they need to do is be educated about why they're doing things wrong. Mm. Anyway, go on. My villain that I think is poorly executed, and this is going to be a really hot take. Like, Go on. So Go on. I, I, I completely forgot that I was answering that question. We really got no, absorbed we, in we, that. We got into, so give, give me your example. I genuinely prefer Darth Vader before the redemption arc. Yeah. I think that his redemption arc was not earned, like in the slightest. No. no. Like, like <laughs> I don't think it was earned in the slightest in terms of as a writer. Like I think it was rushed and poor. Like, oh, so I threw the Emperor down one shoot. Like, but the millions of people that I've helped enslave and oh, do you remember that planet that I facilitated the blowing up of? <laughs> it's fine now. We're just going to forget that. Like, do you remember when I like invaded a, an independent colony of just workers who had never done me any harm just to capture four people? Oh, hmm. okay. Sorry. Like, um, yeah, I just... I genuinely think that Darth Vader beforehand, when you meet him in the first corridor where he's just this giant imposing like ability to like choke you out with just looking at you <laughs> and that breathing wheeze is like so good. Yeah. And then they kind of went, um, so Darth Vader's Luke's dad. And everybody <laughs> just went, what? And then, <laughs> and, I mean, that's interesting enough. I don't think that I know exactly what you mean in terms of the redemption. And I don't think finding out his father is the worst thing. I think. No, go on, you, you can. It's, it's it's just the fact that it's 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 just like I no. I'm talking about in terms of as a writer, yeah. you've got that idea of like that bombshell hit, and they had no idea where to go after that. Like they they went yeah because hang on because they literally must have like written that whole fight sequence. And then went, oh, by the way, Luke, uh, Luke's dad is Darth Vader. And they're, they're just there like, he's literally just chopped Donnie's hand off. <laughs> <laughs> what, 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 what do you want us to do here? It's like, oh yeah, just carry on. Like, uh, I, I, Darth, Darth Vader, in terms of just how I don't think he, and then the other, the other bad villain, I think, I don't, this is going to be a niche one. So that's my hot take one. Okay, and then that's the, definitely um, hot take, but I definitely agree. Um, my other one is Xehanort from uh, Kingdom Hearts. And <gasps> yes! Xehanort is such a bad villain because you have no idea what the fuck is going on. Like, his <laughs> plan is so overly complicated. Maybe like, if you've played 0.2 Birth by Dreams... Uh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, okay. Re the thing is, it redacted, okay. <laughs> redacted, recoded, <laughs> final mix, point three. 
Yeah. Then like, you'll understand what's going on. Because I've played every single Kingdom Hearts game, every single mm-hmm. one, watched every single cinematic, mm-hmm. like read up on it. Like I was, I fucking loved Kingdom Hearts. And then when Kingdom Hearts 3 came along, I was just like, what? Like, <laughs> like, sorry? They, they definitely began to strain the idea of what was actually happening. I think the one of my f- very close friends introduced me to Kingdom Hearts only very recently. Like, as 3 was, like, coming out, I played through all of them. And uh, I immediately became, like, totally captured because it's an incredible game series. And I think, you know, in 3, the thing that confused me the most is, like, so they have these bodies and then the spirits of people can then go into the bodies. But then, like, so Roxas just comes out of nowhere? Yeah. Like, like, where are what? <laughs> yeah, that whole, like, oh, we've got these, like, strange bodies that people from the past can jump into the future <laughs> and, like, go into. And I'm like... Hang on, so Roxas Shion comes back. Like, just all these people come back to you, like, hmm. But then where where is... So, the thing that... Okay, I, I, we're, we're going to gush about this for a minute. That scene where Roxas returns, just as, like, a beam from the sky, I'm like, but where's the body, though? Did they give the body to Roxas and he just hadn't shown up until now? Or did, in that moment, did the body go to him and then he gets shot out of the sky? I, I have no idea, because I'm also there, like... Roxas doesn't exist. Like Roxas doesn't exist. <laughs> because if you've got Ventus, who is apparently why Roxas looks the way he does, and you've got Zora, who is who Roxas is made from, then the- Roxas cannot. I was just like, and I'm like, there, like I, I, want him- <laughs> I want him back. He was like my boy. I fucking loved that kid when I first met him in Kingdom Hearts too. I was like. I will protect him with everything I have. <laughs> I'm this boy for two hours, but if anything happened to him, I'd kill everyone in this building and then myself. Yeah. And, then, and then, like, I just was just like, why did you do my boy like that? Like, it, yeah, like, it. So, uh, my hot take is Darth Vader didn't earn his redemption arc. And then, my. And, like, you can get into the whole General Snoke thing as well. Like, yeah. <laughs> oh, well, I mean, yeah. Okay, yeah. Go on. What's But but the but the other one uh, is my other like big fucked up um, vi- villain that just didn't go well was Xehanort. Like, what? Why? Why? Like, <laughs> like what the hell? <laughs> like, I think it was just, it was just I, so weird. Knowing that my friend who really likes King of Hearts is listening. I will probably have to think very carefully about what I'm about to say. <laughs> I think Xehanort is so interesting, but is that really only because he's so complicated? <laughs> yeah, he's like he's like a Rubik's cube. Everybody is fascinated with Rubik's cubes. Everybody thinks that they're cool, like because they're like this really what should be simple, but is complicated. Hmm. But there is an art to it, and Xehanort's like that, like. Xehanort wants to unlock infinite power through the use of Kingdom Hearts, which is the collective emotion and memory of of the universe. Yeah, let's explain it for the listeners. Let's go. Let's go yeah. through the whole thing. <laughs> so basically, Xehanort was this guy. <laughs> okay. No, we're not going to do it. We're not going to do it. But yeah, so he he wants that, and that's that's it. That's apparently supposed to be it. And then time travel gets involved, body swapping, like. The fact that he used to be an old man, but is no longer an old man. The fact and that then somehow are... returns to being an old man. Yeah, yeah. The fact that he's 
there's like 15 of him, like 15 different versions of him, including his younger self, who could always time travel. So that kind of makes old man Xehanort pointless, because if he could always time travel, why would he be his old, horrible self when he's not at his prime? Like... You would you would use your younger self. You'd be younger. Like it, 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 yeah, it went it 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 jumped the shark, didn't it? It jumped the shark pretty. Yeah. So, uh, what were you gonna say about the Snoke stuff? I th- it's just shit. <laughs> Why? Okay. Here's here's okay. Here's the thing, and this is something I want to break down a little bit just before I go into talking about the whole Snoke. I one of the reasons that I'm so interested in telling stories is because I like to see what's good and about designing villains and about anything is I like to see what's good in something that's objectively or, you know, well, uh, how it's been received is really terrible. Mm-hmm. And now this is, this is a really hot take. I actually think the last Jedi is quite good. Okay. Now, before we go any further than that, I think, think it's good for a number of reasons and none of them are Snoke. <laughs> <laughs> but Snoke just really... its a One, it's a poor use of Andy Serkis' talents. <laughs> first I of love all, that. First like, of all. Not just in terms of anything else. Yeah, it's no, yeah. yeah, and, yeah okay. Andy Serkis is going to be a, a lot better used in Star Wars and to put him on Snoke was a... Mm, it's... <laughs> It seems like what is the point? Yeah, he he literally had no. We get no back. Like, okay, I get that they kind of explain it in um, uh, Rise of Skywalker, but even then, that explanation is just shit. He's like Spo- a failed Palpatine clone or whatever. Like, spoiler alert for Rise of Skywalker. If you haven't seen that, if you haven't seen that, then you're not missing out on much. Yeah. <laughs> The thing uh, is, uh, <laughs> The Last Jedi is a great war film, but it's a terrible Star Wars film. That's an interesting take. I would... I think if you'd only ever... If you'd never been given the chance to care about what Star Wars was about, but you knew what Star Wars was, I think you would enjoy The uh, the Last Jedi. Hmm. I think it has all the cool things that Star Wars can be cool. Like, it has the interesting space battles, and it has a really, in my opinion, the best lightsaber fight ever in that throne room. Oh, yeah, no, that is that is dope. Those guard, With those guards and the fact that they can change their weapons and stuff, and they have to, like, throw their lightsabers to each other at one point. Yeah, be- better choreographed than... And, and I think that's the peak of lightsaber choreography, really. You have some interesting stuff in Rise of Skywalker, but, like... Uh, the Last Jedi is where I think it, it, that throne room scene is at its peak, and there's just something so whimsical about when the Falcon comes in at the end on crate and it's you know destroying all these Tie Fighters, and the Millennium Falcon music plays, and I'm just like, oh, I love this. <laughs> I remember now why I like Star Wars. Mm. But in I, terms I, of in terms of actual story, I think it just kind of begins to fall apart i think and i think that's what everyone has a big deal a big problem with it is the story just doesn't really take you anywhere it's full of spectacle moments like the, that bit on the on that planet where they've got those skimmer things that kick yeah. up the red dust looks beautiful looks amazing 
but then you're just kind of like why is this happening again like mm-hmm. when you come out of that it, it's all it's all yeah and then you've got snoke who's just for for two films now has just been someone sat in a chair like i mean that's all he remains this is a dude and, uh, <laughs> yeah and like and i know i get that they were trying to like mimic that the the emperor like that idea of like palpatine this foreboding or for or is it foreboding or like like bearing down yeah, force yeah foreboding yeah. like antagonist that's far away because of the fact that you fought darth vader and one of the things that was was cool about palpatine was the fact that you fought Darth Vader was the bad guy. You thought Darth Vader was in charge for the longest time, yeah. and you realised that he had a boss, and you were like, "Oh shit!" So what's his boss like? Mm-hmm. Whereas, whereas then they just tried to mirror that with Snoke, and it was like, "No, like, yeah. no, like." And then, and then again, we got that. We understand Kylo Ren gets a, a redemption story that he again does not earn. Like I'm like, uh, yeah. Uh. I know you wanted to be like Darth Vader in all aspects, but. Like, is this the one? Is this the one you really... Could you not have left this one behind? And again, Zook and, like, Kylo Ren does have the opportunity to be Zookoed. Like, if we're if we're verbing that, if we're Zookoing someone, Kylo Ren yeah. had the opportunity to be that. But they didn't either have or put the effort in... Oh, sorry, sorry. They didn't have the time or they didn't put enough effort into trying to make that happen. I understand in a TV series, like The Last Airbender, you have hours and hours of episodes to build up the idea that someone has the potential to be good. Whereas in Star Wars, you've got like nine hours and that's three films and that's millions of dollars of production value to put towards making someone, the subtlety of making someone feel like they might be good at some point. Yeah, because like, if you, if you just went from Kylo Ren's thing at the, at the end of, uh, what's the first one called? Force Awakens. It's it's Force not Awakens. a good sign that we've forgotten the names. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like the the Force Awakens, like he has that moment, and this is why I don't feel like he earns his redemption. He had that moment. He had that moment where people were like looking towards him, and were like, "Dude, you can stop now. It's fine. We get it. Maybe we were horrible to you." And he still stabs Han Solo. Like he yeah. he has that opportunity. So in my mind, like. Uh, and in most writers' minds, that's the subversion. Like you, you're subverting that trend of, yeah. like, oh, this guy's redeemable because you gave him that opportunity and he refused. And then the power of bonus happens, and then suddenly, like, <laughs> like yeah, I mean, like it's it, that's that's the subversion. If we're saying that most villains become villains because of a girl, then the subversion for this one is that uh, he stops being a villain because of a girl. <laughs> oh God damn it! Like, is it is it because of shirtless Kylo? That's what it is, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, it. Uh, yeah, some villains are just bad. Like, and and then and, and not in, and not in the good way. <laughs> yeah, and not in the good way. And, and sometimes they're not. Like, sometimes a, a villain is self-aware enough to know that they're they're not a good villain. Like, like you can tell in the performance and everything like that, or or something like that. Like, um even in some video games where they have like mid bosses like the mid boss knows that they're a mid boss almost like um... i really like the idea to be fair that of you just saying that of imagine designing a, a villain who knows that they're not effective that they know they're not like 
perfect. Uh, sorry, I've just kind of got a bit distracted there. But the idea that you make someone who is aware that they're not the best they can be and is kind of trying to grow as much as the protagonists are, in the sense mm. that the protagonists are trying to be as good as they can so that they can defeat this evil, this evil is trying to become as good as it can so that it can stop the rise of the heroes. And to be aware of that is really interesting. Yeah, anyway. definitely. Yeah, and you can have like because the, then you can have cool moments like when when the heroes arrive somewhere, like they realize that all the traps have been triggered, like all the traps have been triggered, all the enemies are like dead in front of them. Like, what <laughs> what, what, what happened? And they get to like the, the treasure room, and the person they're trying to fight is there with what they're there for. Like, <laughs> oh, <laughs> hi there. Um, sorry about this. Uh, I'm gonna teleport now. Like, I'm <laughs> out. Um, yeah. like just. Because I, I I think that would be hilarious. There's like the potential for hilariousness, but also there's the thing of like if you can get them to run away from a couple of fights, like you have those fights where they run away from them, and then and it's almost like a joke, like oh he's turned up again, so we just beat him up quickly. Very and kind then, of uh, Team Rocket esque. Yeah, where it's like it's like oh it's you guys again. Anyway, just get out of our way so that we can keep you know trying to do our thing. Yeah, and then you have that one fight where they have that and they're like, well, we're way better than we were then. And then suddenly it's like, yeah, you don't hit. And it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> what? No, yeah, you don't hit. Like, he he is now going to cast Disintegrate. What? Like, yeah. sorry? <laughs> like, um, like, uh, that would be really cool. That's I, I want to incorporate that. <laughs> you need to that needs to we we need to like work on something like that and publish that together yes yeah i would love that like like because you could give them like a ridiculous name as well like the misadventures of boomerang or something because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they just keep coming back <laughs> somebody who's so ill-fitted for being a villain and yet they want to do it anyway <laughs> yeah like uh, why are you doing this uh, somebody said i couldn't so I am. <laughs> like, but you're like a cleric i know but like, yeah I, when we were talking before about villains who you can't understand this is the epitome of that it's like yeah. a villain who's really only doing it just because somebody dared them to it's like um if you if you ever watched one punch man yes oh i've seen the first series anyway yeah yeah so you know saitama's just there like it just, it just seemed like a good thing to do existence it's the same thing with this villain guy like nah, i just felt like i should take over the kingdom at some point seemed like an interesting thing to do sorry mm. <laughs> and, and the, yeah and the more people try and stop you the more you're like no i've committed to doing this now you know and it's like you're you're kind of so so on doing something but as soon as someone is like no you're not going to do that anymore you're like no i'm doing it <laughs> it's like vindication isn't it the, the the fact that they keep sending these people out to stop you or these people keep trying to stop you you're like oh well i must be doing something right and then just in the oh shit no they're actually he's actually got really strong somehow Could, hello emergency <laughs> <laughs> um it's almost like that thing with uh, in the Incredibles with Syndrome, where he keeps sending that robot out to lose, doesn't he? Yes. Against the like, yeah. but it's actually a person. Like, oh, so you're going to try and shoot me with uh, uh, Eldritch Blast? So in, I'm just gonna, okay. Oh, you've got spell. I remember you've got spell sniper. So <laughs> I'm just gonna get really close to you and then Mage Slayer you every time you you uh, do anything. Like I, I 
it's cool. I've I've learned things. Like um, like yeah, it, it's a really cool idea. I like that. Have yeah. you ever? Here's a question for you. Have you ever seen or heard of the use of a like meta villain in um TRPGs? Never a meta villain in TTRPGs, but usually in video games. Like, yeah. Uh, like you, you'd hear like so. I think one of the so there's a game series called Disgaea or Disgaea. Um, say, I've heard of it. But go on, tell me about it. Uh, uh, there's there's like a vampire character who 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 he, who he literally calls mid boss. And he's like, I'm not the mid boss. Like, like at the actual boss, he's like, you're not the big bad guy though. And he's like, hang on, like this whole game is like, and he like he knows that he's like kind of like in a video game, and like hmm. um, they never remember his name. But yeah, it would be cool to have like a meta villain who knows, like, I guess what to do. Because are we talking meta is in like they know that they're in a tabletop RPG? Or are we talking about the fact that they they prescribe to the meta of play? I.e., I know. That I'm going to fight these people, therefore I'm going to prepare to fight these people. Maybe, maybe a mixture of both. I, I, I was talking more about the idea where, like, almost as you were describing it, they're saying, "Oh yeah, I know you have spell sniper. Like, I've read your character sheet," and you're like, "What?" <laughs> and it's like, "I read. I know. It says in your backstory here that I've got in my hand. They're yeah. from you know this village, and your father died. That's really tragic." But you know, okay. <laughs> we can we can like I imagine a villain who's like critiquing your backstory writing. It's like, yeah. oh, you're, oh, you're an orphan. How original! <laughs> <laughs> or, but also, what I was talking about is the idea of I don't know if you've ever seen anything like this in play, but I've read a lot of stories about enemies who are like so cosmic and strange and different that their attacks literally like so you get hit by an attack you roll a d4 and it's like that's how many points in constitution you lose because you got hit or like your backstory is partially rewritten because you were hit and it's like you're not actually from this village you're from a different village or you're you grew up as a prince or you're the king of this land now because you got hit in the wrong way and it's like negatively affecting you in a meta sense where you get your ah. character is kind of like physically changed by a cosmic being that has the power to do those kind of things. So I had a boss. So they, I had something like this, but it wasn't quite so. Um, so they had to go to Elysium to fight this boss who was like a a relic from the the war between like the heavens and the hells. Very cool. And basically, he's half and half, like exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, he, they, they like went to to. It's almost like the blood hunter thing of like to kill monsters. You sometimes need to become monsters, mm. um, or the Witcher, and um, yeah. So he lit, existed in this hall of mirrors that showed you like all the different ways you could have gone. Right. Like, cool. Uh, and there was a saving throw in there that basically, I think it was. I think it might have been Constitution. Mm. Um, it was Constitution saving throw, where basically you would then roll on a random table and it would change you to be one of those things that's in the mirrors and you'd be trapped in the mirror. Right. So one of my characters, it was kind of like a, a, a dandy and a bit of a hedonist. <laughs> um, uh, he was this hedonist tiefling rogue. And basically the problem he had is he kept failing the saving throw and he was basically a junkie for the entire fight. Like he was going cold turkey right. on the floor, like dying because of the fact that like his if if he hadn't found the party and if things had gone a different way that's what would have happened to him he would have been found 
dead in a ditch with like a needle in his arm or something like that um and so he had that and some of the others like shifted in and out of like uh there's a thing where you don't meet your there's a there's a there's an alternate reality where you didn't meet your partner and therefore you have no reason to be here like yeah where's your motivation gone gone? (laughs) yeah like, like um i think the other one was the fact that one of them did get married like in in the in the mirror so they were gone as well because they were married Uh, and and basically you've made that thing at the end of every turn so there was like multiple like little things that could happen to you so there was ones that made you incapacitated there were ones that um, made you charmed so there was there was one where this character basically was on their side like it was like oh yeah there's 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 an alternate reality where i come collect you and you i pick you up and you become like my my mortal lieutenant <laughs> oh cool fight your friends like yeah. <laughs> like uh, i was like oh shit yeah and so yeah they, i kind of kind of like that but not in the fact that they knew just in the fact that the where it, by nature of these mirrors around this place yeah. that kept this creature contained because that's what it did is it kept the creature yeah, contained it's kind of like a cage of the, yeah. like for them but it becomes a cage for you that yeah. is an idea that is so good that I'm actually going to have to try hard not to steal that. <laughs> you can steal it. <laughs> no, no, it, I, dude. I, I, I it. it. It's fine. It's um, fine. Like, I, 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 I half stole it from. It's a TV show. I can't remember if it's like. I can't remember if it's like Buffy or something. But there's a there's a there's an episode of something where they they do like alternate realities and what could have happened almost right. like a what's that christmas film it's a wonderful life yes yeah so it's like what would have happened if this had really yeah happened? yeah that's yeah, cool so, that's an interesting idea so I, I i think there was a tv show that kept like cycling them through things like that like i think it did it with each member of the car so what would have happened if you didn't meet this person or this person never been in your life where mm-hmm. would they be now rah, rah, rah. it was it was really interesting so i was like i'm gonna steal that put it in <laughs> but yeah uh i've never had a meta like proper meta villain who almost like to the thing of say is it mad jim jaspers and stuff from like comics and stuff like that who like know they're in comic books yeah stuff like that. or wade wilson from deadpool who's like mm-hmm. knows he's in a comic book or an even better example is Gwenpool because she literally at some point writes herself into other people's stories you literally watch her and she goes ah and she like picks up a version of like Miss Marvel and then draws herself in it and then she appears in the Miss Marvel comic book and she's like ah see this is much better like (laughs) um, she knows she knows she's in the Marvel universe yeah Um, and there's loads of other characters like that in uh, it's mainly in Marvel where they do that um, there's a couple in DC like they they had a, the Joker do that for a little while. Mm. That he was like, well, it doesn't matter what we do anyway because give it half a year and they'll reboot us and they'll reboot reboot us and we'll <laughs> yeah, be back at this again. Yeah, <laughs> like we'll just be back at it again. It's like because uh, he actually references there's a point where he's like fighting Red Hood and he goes, how many times have I killed you now? Like <laughs> it's like it's like. And Jason's like the once, and he's like, "Oh yeah, but like I've done it in different ways at different times." Like, <laughs> I, I hit, yeah, they they did that. So I think I think those would be cool, but I think there's a there's a thing that players might revolt against that sort of thing as well. Do you yeah. think that players would like that? I think oh, 
messing with player backgrounds is always a dangerous game. Mm. Whenever, definitely, I think some players do have that tendency to be like, even if you go, you know, oh, and you know this person, and they go, no, I didn't write that in my backstory, and I'm kind of like, well. Like suspend your disbelief slightly. <laughs> I, I, as the story crafter here, might suggest that you know that person. Mm. I think there is kind of the idea of getting caught up in you are the person that you've written, but at the end of the day, you're not in your story. You're in a story that you share with others and that I'm mm. telling to you. I, I, I do that. I'm quite sneaky with that because I'm a very player player driven dm so i'll mm. take your backstories and mess with them and i'll bring in people that you don't want me to bring in and stuff like that like i'm, I'm that guy yeah um because i like player driven stories i like each player to get their spotlight and to them to learn things so like for example um i took my players to this place that messed with your memories and basically they entered this room which became a game where they had to collect different memories from different people that were right. different colors that represented each person. So mm. they they collected these crystals and they'd get those memories. So they'd learn things about each other. Like we learned that one of the characters had been married before and her husband cheated on her. So she's that's why she has very like hard time dealing with like relationships now mm. and stuff like that. Um so I I usually do that like this person looks familiar or this person says they're from here, which I know yeah. is like one of their like and you go, and most of the time you'll play nine times out of ten, the players will ask, Well, do I know them? Like, yeah. I'm like, Roll a history check. And <laughs> you may, if you want them to know them, you make the DC check really low. And then, yeah, otherwise, uh, yeah. Yeah. Or if, you, if you're like, Actually, it would be interesting for them to try and find out if they know them, like, you may say really high. Because sometimes they get like, Well, who is it? And I'm like, oh, you, you have to find out. Like, do you, do you talk to them? Like, <laughs> like, I'm, I'm I'm cruel like that. I'm, I will admit, like, I know there's a lot of like people on the the Facebooks and the Reddits who are like, oh, I feel as if if I put anything in my backstory, my DM's going to use it, and I'm there like, that's the whole point. Yeah, <laughs> why why bother writing a backstory if you don't want your DM to incorporate it? Yeah, and that's the same thing with villains. I feel like, like you, if your villain is like, if your villain is like Mister Freeze, and you're going to write that backstory. But then you won't let the players use it because in in the same way that yeah, I will use yeah. my players' backstories, I will let them use if they find out things about my villains, I'll let them use it. Like yeah. So if you think about like Mister Freeze and the fact that oh he's trying to save his wife, if if that was a D and D situation, you had like this crazy artificer who's going around freezing people, hmm. uh, and they found his wife who was obviously sick, and you would you could I would then let them go well he's trying to free his wife so why don't we just say that we'll we'll, we'll let his wife out if he uh... yeah I, I think getting one over on the on the villain and i guess on the dm as well is a really key part of what i think is incorporates a good session where you where your player does something or players do something that you there's so far removed from the idea of what you're expecting that you just have to go okay like I'll allow it like yeah I think one of the most uh 
one of the most recent things that happened literally, literally yesterday, is a Kraken was attacking my players and their ship is being destroyed. And one of my players goes, I cast Detect Thoughts on the Kraken. What's going on? <laughs> and, I'm like, and I'm like, you know what? Here's a time for some backstory on why the Kraken's here and what's the Kraken's about. Because you should, I, I feel like, even if you have to improv something or take a second to be like, oh, okay. I think it's really important to reward players for thinking outside the box a little bit, especially when it comes to villains and like literally this is the reason you've gone on an adventure probably so or the reason you're fighting so hard to do something is because you're trying to stop this person mm. so thinking interestingly about why they exist and what they're doing um is i think should be really rewarded like you say like to for a player to be able to use a villain's backstory is really important it's like i had i had one where i'd set up this zombie beholder fight for ages Mm-hmm. And um, and they come out, eye stalks on like bones and stuff like rattling, and then my warlock's just there like, so I would know that that thing's not relative to this plane, right? And I'm like, because they were in the air elemental plane, in yeah. like a, oh no, they were in the elemental plane of water. Sorry, in like a sunken city, cool. that had been sent there, very like cool, a, like a. There's like a weapon that was used to like transport this city into the air, the water elemental plane to drown it. That's so um, interesting. And basically, um, the the warlock went. I know that's from like the prime material plane, right? And I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, or the astral sea, whichever one. And he goes, I'm gonna send it to the prime material plane with banishment. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> and he did. And obviously, <laughs> it's its home plane. It was there for a minute fight's over like yeah i'm like, I'm like ah alrighty then alrighty then and it didn't help that they'd been through the zoo like so there's like <laughs> a zoo of like creatures that they'd been through and they'd seen like dead creatures and stuff in there and one they'd seen that the beholder cage was like broken or uh-huh. i was like i was like ah oh, god damn it <laughs> I, was like, I was like setting up it stinks in there it comes out like and then fuck off ghost like, like <laughs> it was gone but yeah um so oscar we've we've had a great chat it's been a we have time. it's I been really amazing enjoyed it. so before we say our goodbyes and i'll let you plug your plug your wares and all that jazz i have one question for you go on can you face the pod of many things and the deck of many questions? Well, I hope so. <laughs> so. For those of you listening, the deck of many questions is our community suggested spicy questions that we pull from a hat randomly, or in this case, Oscar's going to suggest a number. And if there's enough time, um, I will also let him ask me one and give me a number. Uh, they will be randomly selected, so think of one number between one and seventy-five. Can I, um, can Oscar? I, can I roll some D one hundreds? You there? can roll D one hundreds. You can you do it in whatever way you want. But if you wish to, as a listener, suggest anything for the deck of many questions, please throw them in the comments, in tweets, in reviews, in whatever. Let me know because I will add them to our deck of many questions. So. What we got, Oz? My number is 16. 
This is quite interesting, actually. So, oh, number 16, what are your biggest inspirations for writing? Oh, this is handy because I'm a writer. <laughs> I think... Oh, I have to say music is a big one. Uh, not necessarily because I listen to music about things and then I write about those things. More along the lines of when I listen to a track and I think this would go great to the backing of a pirate invasion or this would be amazing for... I'm not the only person who does that! Yeah! <laughs> amazing! Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Keep going. Sorry. And, you know, like things like, okay, this is them rocking up at the Empress Palace and this is what that sounds like and this is the space they're in. And even if I don't actually use it in the session, I... It's great to get that inspiration of this is the vibe of the place I want to make, of the idea I want to create, or of the situation I want to create. Often I'm very surprised at the amount of narrative structures I'm able to make just by listening to a three-minute song. Mm. Um, that is pretty dope. And beyond that, music is very much kind of like a very, I would say, something I'm doing quite often so when i listen to music often i'm coming up with ideas but if we're talking like inspiration as in like taking inspiration from things i would have to say that it's very boring to say games films and tv yeah. <laughs> um nothing's original under the sun is it so true um i wish i had a more creative answer to that <laughs> is there a particular book or film or or TV show that you find yourself stealing stuff from? Oh. I we've spoken a lot about Star Wars and I would be lying if I hadn't said that Star Wars gives me a lot of things. But I think more often it's it's more often the subtle things that aren't usually what you might say popular culture like gripping dramas or like a, a story about real people and real things and you go well that'd be good if we if that person was an elf and this person was a dragon and this was this situation being able to turn, being able to turn like a real situation into something that is so much life is brought into it by being in a fantasy or sci-fi or post-apocalyptic or whatever setting is um, a really interesting activity Oh, that's awesome um would you like to roll d100s for my question absolutely i would get ready i'm gonna roll you a tough question um what is my uh, 47 there we go uh we've got i, I i'm not answering the question that's there that's obviously oh. what i haven't realized oh. it, it, it's it's what's your show size and I, i'm i'm guessing and i don't really I, I, <laughs> I don't know if that's a placeholder that or a joke question that someone's put in there <laughs> from back when there was three of us but hmm. it's what's not happening show, what what, do, what does that question refer to why don't you answer why don't you tell me what the question refers to as an answer to that question i i, I have no idea <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, it, refers sure. to, it refers to erect penises. <laughs> but I'm, I'm not going to answer that. That's obviously okay. my friend Leon. Uh, oh, but sorry. I will answer the uh, one... Uh, I can answer either the one 
above or below it? So the one above it is what is your favourite monster? And the other one... So 46 is what is your favourite monster? And 48 is what's your favourite D&D content? I'm going to give you the broader question. I'm going to say what's your favourite D&D content? So my favourite D&D content is people like... Uh, Dawnforge cast... Uh, I really thought you were about to go. People like you. Uh, <laughs> and I'm like, that's very kind of you, Addison. <laughs> like people who who do interest in like YouTube videos and tutorials on the internet. Like it's one of the ways that I learned to play quite quickly. Mm. Um, was looking at like how to build monks like on online um, and stuff like that. So I really like that sort of content and like. Um, I think I can't. Is it taking twenty? Does this thing like kill your party with kobolds? And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> those, those are fun because it's like, what can kobolds do that can really mess up an adventuring party and stuff like that? And what could you uh, work on? Uh, so I really like stuff like that. I I like Critical Role. Like it's my favorite podcast in terms of like um, actual play. Um, I, I'm not a massive fan of other actual play podcasts. Admittedly, really? I, I find them I find them difficult to to play in um, because of the fact that uh, or not to play in to listen to and so like attach to um, yeah. because of the fact that obviously Critical Role has has these actors whose voices I recognise from like my favourite games and anime yeah. like um, and like they a lot of their jokes come from being um, in uh what's what's it um a lot of their jokes come from what happens inside the game yeah. where sometimes when you watch like no, like well, i'll call them normal people because they're not professional actors and stuff like yes that. yeah um they they have a lot of in jokes where i'm like i don't understand why that's funny like <laughs> yeah. and, I, and you're kind of like there and there's this like awkward moment where you're like is uh, am yeah, I dumb? like so um because even like I would understand even now if people looked at my um, uh, so I play in a lot of an actual play at the minute um, cool. stream uh, for Mecha Hack and mainly and I'd understand if people couldn't do the same thing like, if they really found it difficult to like um, latch onto it and get involved with it um, on the Flickering Torch channel because of the fact that damn it I'd almost went the whole thing without mentioning him um, uh, <laughs> like it's, this is an in joke for this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I my friend Ben, who's who the flickering torchy, who who makes great content. Don't get me wrong, and his streams great, but mm. I always end up mentioning him, like even when I don't mean to, like because because most of my tabletop RPG stuff that I do at the minute is with him and like talking to him. So, right. but um, yeah, it's just I just feel as though that's not my favorite. So my favorite is like build these or rank these subclasses and stuff like that like short yeah. form and then these sorts of podcasts where people are listen to like podcasts of people doing interviews and stuff rather than actual play right. or like tutorials cool. so yeah so yeah that's been this episode of the pod of many things with oscar thanks oz for coming on it's been a fucking pleasure having you my friend thank you uh, for having me it's all right uh can you tell us where you can find you on the internet and what you do and if you've got anything coming up? 
Yeah, so uh, you can find me on Twitter at Oscar underscore Whiteman. That's W-I-G-H-T-M-A-N. I know it's a weird spelling, but it's like the D&D monster, so you should, that should be easier for you to spell. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I am currently working on a lot of written modules for 5e, although none of them are for anywhere to see. So just check me out on Twitter and soon, hopefully, you'll be able to see something very exciting. I'm hoping yeah. to hopefully start a Kickstarter for my uh, written work, which is kind of like this fantasy noir one that I've spoken about later this year. So keep an eye out. I will. I will. We'll promote the hell out of that. So, yeah. Thanks very much again to Oz. And for those of you still listening, still here, still hanging out, I hope whoever you are, wherever you are, whenever you are, you're safe, you're well, and you're having a great time playing some great games. Peace.